All they need to do is go six and five. That's it, just six and five. One game over 500. Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Pirates. Comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or hockey. I also offer up Daily Shots of Steelers and Penguins where you found this. The Pirates and Reds were rained out yesterday in Cincinnati. That'll be made up Monday back in Cincinnati, inconveniently enough, with a one game. I don't know if that's a series. If I'm the Pirates, I'm lobbying for that to be a series, right? Just go there and win one game and finally knock that pin down. But you know what? There's another pin, a bigger one, that's been kind of hovering over this team, if you think about it, since before this season began. And that's that they were, if it's not universally, then it was really close to that, predicted to lose 100 plus. Of course, some said 110, 120 and whatever, mostly just on looking at the payroll. But here they are at 67 and 94. Let me state this very, very plainly. There's no parade to be thrown for avoiding 100 losses. But what the Pirates need to do the rest of the way is just go six and five. They have four in Philadelphia beginning tonight. They have that makeup against the Reds. They have three at PNC Park against the Cubs and three more to close it out also at PNC Park against the Reds. You see six wins in there somewhere? I mean, I do with the way they're playing lately, having taken four straight series and then split those two in Cincinnati. Guess that series status is still to be determined. They've played better ball. They've played exactly 500 ball over the past month. Come up with all kinds of different reasons for it. Brian Reynolds continuing to be himself. Brian Hayes has evened out, started to show a little bit more pop. The biggest variable is Yoshi Tsutsugo and having the fifth best OPS in all of Major League Baseball since his arrival in Pittsburgh. But there have been others, too. I don't want to take credit away from Chris Stratton, for example, and what he's done in the bullpen, especially of late, since he's had to fill not only his role, but really David Bednar's as well, regardless of which order you view those two in. But does it matter? That That's actually the question here, at least I think. And I've brought this up with people within the Pirates, and I get the same kind of responses to that as whenever I ask about finally sweeping a series. Most unfortunately, you have to go all the way back to the 1890 Pittsburgh Alleghenies. And any of you who've followed my writing going back a ways can attest that I made a real habit of referencing the 1890 Pittsburgh Alleghenies for the longest time because they will always represent the low watermark of this franchise having gone 23-113-2. Now, if you want to get really, really technical, and I'm going to tick off some of the baseball historians here, but that was the last year that they weren't referred to as the Pirates. Yes, same franchise, but name change. So do they really count? Yeah, I know. Everybody wants to go back to 1882, which is when the Pirates where the Pirates franchise officially joined the National League. But I digress. This franchise, 
the Pittsburgh Baseball Club has never had a season since 1890 in which it didn't have a sweep. It has only had seven additional seasons on top of 1890 in which it lost 100 games. It's very common to hear baseball people talk about 100 losses in that context. It's hard to do. Everyone gets dire before the season when they see a roster they don't like, but they'll always throw out there, it's hard to do. It's hard to lose 100 games. And here we are at this stage of this season that was lost a long, long, long time ago, like probably after that win over the Royals in late April. And here we are looking at this team after it traded away a bunch of its really better performers, Adam Frazier, Richard Rodriguez, Tyler Anderson. These are all guys that would have made something of a difference down the stretch, certainly performing the way they were at the time. And you could see then very, very easily the wheels completely coming off of this. Only that didn't happen. Almost all of the starters either ended up getting lost or worn down or traded. Almost all of that, what was the bullpen calling themselves at the beginning of the year? Something dogs, I don't remember, but they were really feeling good about themselves. They had some kind of dog-ish nickname. And out of all those guys, the only one that's still standing is Stratton. And they're still playing decent ball to me. And I'm not the manager, and I'm not going to pretend to know uh, baseball culture, and I'm not about to wag a finger at Derek Shelton when he's got to be given at least some of the credit here for this team not having completely collapsed over these last two months. But if I'm Shelton, I'm saying, hey, guys, let's do this. It doesn't mean I'm going to change the way I'm making out the lineups. It doesn't mean I'm going to say no and Charrington and his staff come down and say, hey, we want to get a look at this guy in left field, or we want to get a look at this pitcher in this situation. But as long as you're out there taking the field, go ahead and win six of these last 11 games. Have something, have some kind of moment that you can feel at least a little bit good about. Now, this is one of those you've got to have to manage a little bit. No one's going to want to see footage coming from inside the clubhouse of guys dousing each other with uh, champagne and so forth. If you go back, oh, about 20 years or so in your bucko ball history, you might recall the tale of Lloyd McClendon popping actual champagne over having avoided such a fate one year. Got to kind of keep it on the on the low key, but that's easier now than it was back then because there's no reporters in the clubhouse. Is still, uh, look, it's a, it's a, it's an honest, fair, and reasonable goal under all of the circumstances that I just laid out here. If the Pirates don't want to make it that, whatever, whatever, I, I get it, I get it. But I, I think it would be something. When we come back, just one question. It's time for just one question that's brought to you always on this program by the North Shore Tavern, directly across Federal Street from PNC Park, home to Steak on a Stone, 
home to the planet's only fully year-round dedicated Pittsburgh Baseball Club sports bar. That's the best possible description I can come up with for the place. It doesn't morph into a Steelers bar or uh, this or that for hockey. Not that you know those games aren't shown on all the TVs there as well whenever their seasons are in, but this is a baseball place, and especially with the Pirates on the road. If you're looking for a uh, an environment where you're surrounded by other baseball fans, North Shore Tavern is where to go. Directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. Today's question, today's J1Q comes from Conrad who asks, Hey DK, if there's a work stoppage in 2022, will the minor league season still be played? And might not this be the most favorable outcome for the Pirates organization? The talent currently in Greensboro and Altoona can continue to mature in Altoona and Indianapolis without us having to witness another year of carnage at the major league level. Oh, boy. Um, I'll, I'll clarify the first part that you brought up. If there's a work stoppage of any kind in any direction, meaning it's a lockout or a strike, it doesn't affect anything other than major league baseball. The reason for that is, think about the name of the union, MLBPA. It's Major League Baseball Players Association. They do not represent in any way, shape, or form the minor leaguers. That's also, by the way, why you haven't seen them get involved in some of these recent protests and uprisings is too strong a term, but you're seeing minor league players speak out about the lousy conditions that exist in most minor league systems, notably the pay. MLBPA has nothing, nothing to do with that. So in the event that there isn't baseball because of a labor dispute, yes, absolutely, 100% minor league baseball proceeds. Now, is that a good thing for the Pirates? Well, without getting on a tangent about the salary cap, it's the dream scenario for the Pirates. Uh, it's not a dream scenario for, you know, baseball fans and or businesses and workers that are dependent on there being baseball. And I'm not going to make light of it. But when you're talking about viewing this from the perspective solely of baseball being fair again and giving the Pirates and teams in every market the same chance to be successful, doesn't mean they all will. You have teams that are run by dummies, just like you do in the salary cap sports. It's not a ticket to get good, the salary cap system. It's just a fair system. It's a fair starting point. So to me, that'd be worth it. Now, as far as the minor leagues go, you know, and the prospects and so forth, uh, if they weren't playing next year, you'd see a real issue because you'd be compounding that on top of what the pandemic caused baseball prospects everywhere to miss. And remember that major leaguers at least got 60 games in in 2020. Minor leaguers weren't even getting that in. But that's moot. I mean, again, the minor leaguers will play. They they absolutely unequivocally will play. So you can choose to view that however it is that you want. My stance couldn't be clearer. Shut it down. Install a salary cap system. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Pirates. Let's do this again tomorrow. 